I was uh, just out of high school when I was blessed enough to be invited by some friends to go on a trip uh, to Hawaii. And a few days into our trip, we happened to be on the island of, of Maui and saw a company, a company offering scuba diving adventures off a boat. And it just so happens that I had received my scuba license a couple years earlier while in high school, but th that's another story. On the day of our scuba trip, we headed out to a marina and then we went out to sea and I was excited because I had only imagined what scuba diving in Hawaii must be like. The ocean waters off California, Southern California, where I learned to scuba dive were always just a little bit murky. Well, anyway, after arriving in our dive spot, we put our gear on and soon we were in the water and I have to say the image of what I had of diving those waters was so pale in comparison to what I had actually experienced. The underwater scenery and fish just blew my mind. And as we continued to go deeper and deeper into the water, for some reason the theme song from the movie, movie Jaws came to mind. <laughs> and the, the, the film then had just been out for a couple of years, not even quite two years. And as we continued to descend, I had an image of an image of what a real shark must look like. And just as I tried to get that image out of my head, there it was, a 10-foot-long shark coming right at me. And the images I had of a shark encounter were nothing like the real deal. And because I panicked, I shot up so fast up out of the depths of the surface to the surface that I was injured, meaning I had to suffer for another month staying in Hawaii because I couldn't fly. Poor me. <laughs> well, the point of the story, the images of diving in Hawaii and of what such an underwater adventure in those waters must be like and of sharks paled in comparison to the real experiences. But that trip highlights something. I believe that part of what it means to be a human being is to go through life carrying around images in our minds about all kinds of things. And sometimes such images are based on experiences, at other times they come from our imagination. If we're married, we likely had images of what marriage would be about before we got married. The same can be said for having children, growing older, retiring, going off to college, moving away from home, driving for the first time, or even living in a particular place. Yes, images, we all have them. One dictionary defines an image as a picture in our mind or an idea of how someone or something is. An idea or a picture in our mind of how someone or something is. And our images can involve any of our five senses. We can imagine what something tastes or smells like, how it feels to the touch and what it sounds or even looks like. And sometimes images that come to mind are evoked by something that brings to mind something we have known in our life. At other times, our images have to do with something we have only known partially or not at all. When I hear the call of a dove, an image of my late mom comes to mind. She loved that sound. When I smell greasewood in the desert, I am reminded of those who were part of my life during the years that I lived in the desert, who are now gone. When I see a sunrise, the image serves to remind me that every day is a new beginning and a fresh start 
thanks to God. When I see football field lights in the fall, I'm reminded about some of the best parts of what it means to be in our country. Well, having said all of this, many, if not most of us, have images that come to mind when we think of God. And how we picture God, our images of God, are vital for us to pay attention to. You see, the images that we have of God potently affect our relationship with God, how we pray, what we expect, how we conduct ourselves, how we relate to ourselves and other people, our faith journey, what we believe. Really, everything in life is dramatically impacted by the images of God that we carry around. What are some of the images you've had of God? An old man, a being that is always there, and entity that it's judgmental, ticked off, and angry? Do you have an image of God as a father or mother or great aunt? How about a being that is loving and forgiving? Does grace have anything to do with the images you have? Does your image of God include the idea of capriciousness or vindictiveness? Broad-minded, narrow-minded, one who sends many to hell for not doing the right thing or doing too much of the wrong thing? Does your image of God convey closeness and intimacy and personal involvement or distance and being far away or disinterested? Does your image of God keep people of other faith traditions away from eternal life? Does your image of God include kindness and welcome or hostility toward those on the margins? Does your image of God punish the child with the rod or keep women out of certain roles? Does your image of God include wearing hats in church, singing certain hymns, standing or sitting to pray, silence or speaking? Does your image of God dance or frown, show delight or castigation? I could go on and on and on, but as people of faith, we all have images of God, even though none of our images can ever capture who God is entirely. And do we have the humility in our journey in faith to assume that we could be wrong about some of the images we carry around? In a book we're reading for the book group I'm leading here at the chapel titled Wearing God by Lauren Winner, Winner in the back of the book cites some fascinating research. And all the research has to do with the influence our images of God have on us. Apparently, the images of God we have influences our immune system health. Imagine that. They're related to our self-esteem, eating disorders, gun ownership, addictions, abstinence, how we view the LGBTQ community and how they view themselves. Our images of God affect symptoms of psychopathology, emotional health, trust in government, just to highlight some of the things that research has shown. It's fascinating. Winner also notes that the characteristics we attribute most to God will be the characteristics we value most in society. So if we have an image of God as merciful, we will value mercy in our culture. And I'd have to add that some Christians, although thank God a minority, see God as American. And certainly such an image unfortunately leads to faith-based nationalism and to clergy advocating for certain candidates from the pulpit. 
With all of this in mind, a few, for a few moments, I'd like to explore just a few of the images of God found in Scripture, and they are vast. The number of images is so vast, I'm just going to have time to skim across a few, hopefully giving us just a glimpse of how God is seen in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, God is pictured as creator, creator of all there was and ever shall be. Also in Genesis, one image of God is a God who is kind. After God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden, he clothes them. He puts a mark on Cain to protect him, even though he killed his brother. Both acts reflect an image of a kind God. Later in Genesis, God is pictured as a wrestler. And one day, God gets into a tussle with Jacob. Have you ever imagined or had an image of God as one who wrestles with us? And one of our readings today is from the book in the Bible known as the Song of Songs. It never shows up in church, unfortunately. A number of people see the Song of Songs as stated from one source as an allegory of the love between God and Israel, the love between Christ and the church or even the love between God and human beings. Sadly, the Song of Songs is not often read in church, probably because it's both erotic and evocative. And I had to be careful in choosing the verses we read today because there are a lot of body parts referred to in the Song of Songs. (laughs) In our reading today, the beautiful reading that Jackie read, it's just a sample, but it highlights the image of God as a lover. Have you ever held this biblical image of God? In the book of the prophet Hosea, the image of a jilted lover is used to describe something about God. Hosea's wife Gomer strayed from their marriage in Hosea, and again, this is an allegory, it's a metaphor. Hosea, in response to what someone said about his children, said their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. And the prophet uses this image of a jilted husband to describe God's reaction to the people of Israel. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus gives us an image of God as a mother hen who longs to gather her chicks underneath her wings. From the book of Hosea, we find God imagined and pictured as a lion, a leopard, and even a mother bear. I appreciate the mother bear images especially with all the bears that show up around here, even on chapel grounds. Then in the book of Deuteronomy, God is pictured as an eagle. What do all these things teach us about who God is? The prophet Isaiah likens God to a mother in labor and also a nursing mother. Conversely, back to Genesis, an image of God as destroyer is depicted as God floods the planet. Another image of God is anger. Images of God's anger all over the story of the people of Israel and Judah ignoring God, resulting in their exile. Same for when the people complain and gripe when they're in the desert. Images of God's anger can be found in a number of Psalms in the book of Proverbs. And Jesus reflects an angry image of God. More often than not, not when it comes to people who are not religious, but to people who are particularly religious and narrow-minded and legalistic and hard-hearted. Then in a variety of places, a rock is used to describe something about God. Have you ever thought of God as a rock? 
In Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock. Psalm 19, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Paul writes, for when they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, they were following the rock which was Christ. What would it mean to your faith journey if you pictured God like a rock? Then there's the image of God as one who seeks us. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek. Similarly, there is the image of God, of God as watching for us. Always watching for us. As found in the story of the prodigal son where the father looks toward the horizon, waiting for his son to come home. Images of God as a healer. Images of God's spirit as an advocate and guide and leader. Images of God as a shepherd. Images of God as a vine and a vineyard. Then in our reading today from John, Jesus encourages us to see him as a friend. Jesus said, I call you friends. What does an image of God as friend convey to you? Think of all the associations of friendship, including intimacy, vulnerability, intentionality, and honesty. How might our relationship with God be impacted if we viewed God through the lens of friendship. And finally, the image of Jesus on the cross. Such an image conveys that we have a God who forgives, a God who identifies with our suffering, that our God who turns our suffering into something astonishing, which is redemption, that God experiences torment, loss, and grief, among other things. I've covered just the tip of the iceberg of images for God in Scripture. Are our images that broad and that rich? What's interesting is even if we put all the images of God in Scripture together, such images can only give us glimpses of who God is. God is beyond our ability to grasp in any complete way. And certainly God is much greater than any of the limitations we place upon God, like seeing God through the lens of gender. Our images can be helpful, less helpful. Our images can liberate us to walk a path of discovering more and more about who God is. Our images can box us in and constrict us. Our images can expand and deepen our relationship with God or cause our relationship to skim across the surface. And I believe that God invites each one of us not only to explore the images of God in Scripture, but to keep our eyes wide open every day to God revealing something more about who God is through all that surrounds us. For example, what might the image of a bird in flight say to us about God? How about a gentle stream, a rushing river, a storm, a clear blue sky, the stars at night, a seemingly limitless horizon, aspen trees, a groomer ski run, a fish on a dry fly, chipmunks, a grocery store aisle or bookstore, a traffic jam, people dancing, tears on strangers' faces, smiles, groans of stress, and on and on and on and on and on. God continually reveals who God is. It didn't stop when Jesus was resurrected. Well, I began this morning by sharing the story of scuba diving during, 
scuba diving in Hawaii. When I first got in the water with my mask on, what I saw was so much more than I'd ever imagined. As I think about it, I believe one day all of us who are here today will have such an experience, but not in the ocean, but with God. You see, when we cross over from this life into the next, leaving the limitations of our five senses behind, it is then that we will see God in ways we never could have imagined. And I believe one thing is certain through all of this. All the images of God that we have in this life that do not reflect God's unbounded, limitless, expansive love will be those images of God we readily and easily shed in the next. So I invite us now to take a few moments in prayer to reflect upon the images of God we carry around. What might God be saying to us about those images we have? What new images might God be inviting us to consider anew? And what images might God be inviting you to bring into your faith journey that will help you to move closer and closer to Jesus? And let us now take a few moments in silent prayer.